Hey, what's up, beautiful people? Happy Friday night. It is five o'clock Friday night, and it's your place. It's called The Unfiltered Experience with myself, Christopher Roush. And Scott Goyette. Scott Goyette. Scott Goyette. The Goyette. We got a little lag time there. There's something in the sound there. you catching that? There's like a little lag time there. A lag time? Now it sounds all right. Lag? Maybe I just need to push this microphone right up in here. WARP in Cincinnati, ladies and gentlemen. Hi. We do the same thing. Yeah. We're just raising our mics up. Here. <laughs> I'm Bubba Love. What was that? What was that character you did? Oh yeah, Marky Roush. <laughs> no, 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 not that oh, one. Oh, what was the other one? The other one was fun. I forget. Yeah, yeah that was weird. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, that was weird. You created it. <laughs> I, mean. I forget it. Yeah, I know. I'd say yeah. There's there's some strange stuff going on in my brain. So yeah. Uh, mm. I think it was like it was like. Been a long time, baby. Been a long time. Or something like that. Since I rock and roll. <laughs> that's like the intro to Led Zeppelin. It's like that's like the totally mellow stoner acid kind of thing. It's been a long time since I sounds like rock and roll. Roll. been a long yeah, time since I rock and roll. David Lee Roth, ladies and gentlemen. So how's your week been, man? We've been uh we've been both like zoom, 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 zoom. What's been up for you? What's been happening? What's good? I love I love what's happening. Um, people coming out of the woodwork, people are waking up post-COVID. Um, all the lessons that were offered during 2020 are coming to fruition. We're, we're seeing people, coaching clients, friends, just people on the streets, the conversations I'm having, they've been all super positive. You know, we always talk about getting off autopilot and just living your, your best life and being the creator you were born to be. And people are doing it. People are really doing it. And you know, I could go into story after story after story, but everybody that I've been present with, that I've been connected with, I'm just watching this. I'm seeing this the, the light come on in their eyes. I'm seeing people who are kind of like, like just on autopilot going, hey, you know what we should do? Hey, let's check this out. Let's do this. And I'm like, who are you? And I'm seeing it a lot. And I, I, I'm loving it. I, I, you know, we always get down in the world saying what's wrong with this group and this group and this group and this group and the divisiveness and whatever. And I'm just watching a lot of people ready, ready to take the step to just really live this life as a creator and just make this a beautiful place. And I'm liking it, man. How about you? I was, you told me your kid pooped in the bathtub. What else you got? Oh yeah, that was, that was, that was my fun. That was my fun last night. I went in there and I'm like, Jackson, why is the water yellowish green? I said, did you pee in the bathtub? I said, did you pee in the bathtub? And he's like, he's like, no. He goes, I peed and I pooed. And I'm like, what? <laughs> he, has all these, he has all these toys. He has all these toys covering like the top of the water. And plus it was bubbles. And I was like, please tell me this is your first joke. Like, gotcha, dad. You know, he's, he's going to be awesome. five here in a couple of months, you know, well, five, six months. Um, so yeah, no, I got the, uh, I got the, uh, the opportunity. Let's say, you know, I always choose my words very carefully. Sometimes uh, I got the opportunity to, uh, to take care of that yeah yeah so actually in full transparency i have filled my tub twice with steaming hot water i poured a bunch of this lysol stuff in there and i'm just like i'm gonna burn the toys yeah it was uh yeah it was a uh, it was an interesting experience but beyond that no uh the big thing is that uh i'm on day 11 of 75 hard rocking it um despite the pain actually starting to feel a little bit better like i was telling you before my legs are feeling a little bit stronger my sleep oh my god my sleep has improved tremendously i'm not waking up at 2 30 in the middle of the night going oh my god I, my brain's like going crazy and i'm trying to fall, fall back asleep if i wake up to go pee or whatever because i'm drinking a gallon of water a day i go right back to sleep so yeah it's been pretty crazy i'm really excited about it 
And uh, being only day 11, plus Barb's doing it too. So uh, she's actually she's doing, doing her it work. too. I love yeah. it. I love she's it. Doing oh, it. She's doing that's it. So yeah. Cool. I mean, talk about going from zero to 60. I mean, she's like, she's always been full tilt boogie. If she puts her mind nice. to something, it's like, you know, and that's what, I mean, that's the truth for, that's the truth for what you were just saying as well. I mean, people, what, once they put their mind to putting in motion, what it is that they truly want to achieve in their life, then by means of continuing that motion, they're going to ultimately achieve their destination. So yeah, it's great. We have a, we have a great group in, um, in, uh, in the Facebook group. Actually, uh, I see, I see, um, where is she? I thought she was here. Um, yeah, we've got a couple of great people in there that are doing 75 hard. They're rocking it. There's Lee. What's up, Lee? Day 11. Yes, brother. Yes. Day 11. No cigarettes. Oh man. He's doing fucking awesome. Yes. Uh, oh, we're getting, we're getting, uh, we're getting, uh, funny, funny stuff about the, oh my God, this is classic. The, um, yeah, we got Happy Mark. Birthday, Gassi, What's up, Mark Gas? We got Pamela Aubrey. She's up here. She goes, the wonder twins. Ooh, Happy birthday. Yesterday was her birthday. Yep. I sang her a song. I almost did, did her. A dance, but no, actually we had a show yesterday. We had a really good show yesterday on her birthday. Nice. Happy yeah, birthday. On our show, Eric, Eric Allen, man. He was, he was, he was a really cool dude. Mark nice. Gasser's in the house. He's saying, what's up? What's up? Glenda says, "Cool, wear your glass, Chris." Yeah, I, I'm, I'm wearing them. I had them down like for this little educated badass kind of look, but then I found myself like all of a sudden getting kind of dizzy. So, yeah, we're not going to do that. Uh, yeah, I figured I'd try to wear them. Pamela Aubrey is in the house. Yes, 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 yes. So, if you guys are ready for a stimulating, deep conversation with our guest tonight, uh, I'm going to give my partner here, Scott, the opportunity and the microphone to introduce uh, our guest, and then we're going to dive into some deep conversation. So, take a note, and if you like this, please share it as you're doing this, whether you're watching it live or on the replay. We appreciate you guys being here. So, please, Scott, without any further ado. Absolutely. So, uh, this guy's a great friend of mine, and he's somebody who like many of us, um, does more than one thing with his life. You know, he doesn't define himself by a single occupation. Um, he's been in the financial services business um, as a financial planner for people. He's worked as a coach. He's an author. Um, I don't invite just anybody into my classroom to speak to my students, but I've had both you, Chris, and our, our guest. Um, he also looks like somebody, and I'm going to see if anybody can figure out who he looks like. I'm not going to say it, um, I don't know if it's uh, his favorite person in the world, but he knows who it is. So without <laughs> further ado, it's my good friend, John Harrell. John, brother, welcome John, to the Tilted Experience. How are you tonight? What's John look like? I was like, how you doing, boys? <laughs> <laughs> I did not have sexual relations with that woman. <laughs> A couple of years ago, I met Clinton. I went to this, uh, this tour he was doing and listened to him speak, and it was fascinating. But uh, I did this meet and greet thing. So I walked up to him. And what I noticed was people went up to, to get a picture with him and they were intimidated. They say, hi, I'm so-and-so, and they move on. But if they engaged with him, he had to engage. And I'm the same way. So I thought, this is going to be fun. So I walk up to him, shake hands. and go, so I finally get to meet my twin. He goes, what do you mean, John? I said, well, once a week, somebody says, do you know who you look like? And I said, well, I am Bill Clinton. He goes, that's pretty good. <laughs> well, my answer is always, look, if you got to look like somebody, Clinton's not bad. It beats the hell out of looking like Al Sharpton. He goes, you're right about that. Al's not a very handsome man. <laughs> anyway, you know, you're talking about divisiveness. I got to tell you, and you guys tell me what you think about this, but um, what he did is a one-hour interview with Paul Begala. He started off with something. This is two, two days before the first North Korean summit. And he said something that would never make it on any mainstream media show because it makes too much sense. He said, no matter what your politics are, you've got to be pulling for the summit to work. Exactly. 
why wouldn't you be? You know, whether it's Donald Trump or Bill Clinton or Barack Obama that is, is trying to establish relations with someone who is surreptitiously, but not so surreptitiously trying to get nuclear weapons, why wouldn't you? And I thought, again, that would never make it onto, onto the mainstream media because it's not divisive. It's not attacking another side. So the divisiveness drives me nuts right now. Right now, It's, it's getting worse. I don't I think it's getting worse. And I don't watch the news. I turn it off. Uh-huh. Turn it off. Yeah. So give me, let, me give let me give you one other example. I'm going to stop talking for a minute. I'll try. But Scott knows <laughs> me. He knows me. I can't help myself either. So I did a, uh, you know, I have a podcast, it's the Determined People podcast, and I, and I did an interview yesterday with a gentleman who's a fascinating guest. His name is Jerome Turner. He's a police officer out of uh, Union City, Georgia, which is a small suburb of Atlanta. And so he got shot six times on April 1st of 2019. And I found him and I connected with him and he agreed to do the, the show. And after the uh, interview, by the way, the interview is fantastic. He really, he, really, he, was, he was completely open and talked about, we talked about lots of, but after it, I always called the guests back to, to debrief and just kind of visit about, about things. And I said, you know, Jerome, when, when I was doing my research to craft this interview, um, I saw that on one of the, uh, one of the channels, it says black police officer, Jerome Turner shot six times. And, and I thought, you know, that's as dumb as me saying white podcaster, John Harrell interviews black police officer. See how stupid that is? I mean, that's agreed, absolutely agreed. 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 It's just it's just trying to keep something in front of you to separate us. We're all created by the same Creator, so He sees me the same way He sees everybody else, and and I'm not anything special. I'm special to Him, but no more special than anybody else. And I think that we can connect with each other if we're just willing to let our guards down and really, you know, share share the things that we are we are connected with, which is. Everybody wants two things. It doesn't matter if you're in Austin, Texas, or if you're in sub-Saharan Africa. Who am I and why am I here? Yes. I, I call it your personal IP address, your identity and your purpose. Who am I and why am I here? And we that, we can connect through that and have a deeper connection when you put make that the focus and how you can bring out the best in others. You, you know, and, and that's just my philosophy. I, I'm not certainly not on you know, Jimmy come alive talking about this. But I think that I think I'm on to something because I've never had somebody go, yeah, that's fucked up. You don't know what you're talking about. I think I, I think I kind of do on that one. One in a row. Okay, I'm on a hot streak. Right, right. So so talk to us about that. Talk to us about where that point in your life was where you started re- recognizing those two points. What juncture were you at and what caused you to pivot to kind of say, wow, these are really the two most important things that everybody in the world is looking for. You know, it's just something kind of a, a self I hate the word journey or path because it sounds like I belong on the Dr. Phil show, but it's like a, it's a, it's a personal trip. I'm on to say, sometimes it's a good trip, like a vacation. Sometimes it's an acid trip, but I just start looking, thinking, why are we at each other's throats? You know, but it used to be good ribbing. I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan and, and God knows they break my heart every year, but people, you know, people don't get as violent over sports as they do politics or religion. And instead of allowing those things to separate us, I kept thinking, okay, where's some common ground here? I, you know, we're never all going to agree with each other. I mean, if, if, if either of you guys tell me that you are, you always agree with your spouse, then you're, you're either lying to me or you're a fucking doormat. Okay. One or the other. And, and you guys aren't doormats. So I, I know better. Happy but wife, never, happy life. That's what they say, <laughs> but I'm not sure. Some, 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 can't make some of, some of the women happy, but 
But uh, that was my my experience, ladies. My gummies, experience. ladies and gentlemen, gummies for your wife. They will <laughs> calm her down. When she's PMSing, give her your two gummies, and she will calm the fuck down. Back to you in our studio. But the but it's just sort of a, a self realization kind of thing. I read a lot. I'm an absolute nerd when it comes to stuff, and I read a lot. And so lately, I've been reading a lot of biographies, autobiographies. I read Clarence Thomas. I read. Um, I just finished a book by Condoleezza Rice about her family. And it's a great, it's a wonderful book. And I thought, you know what? We all have these things in common that we just need to be able to, to get beyond all the others, the, the stuff that we see and get down to the heart of the person, look into the heart of the person, see through to the heart of that, of that person, who they are. And then you, you are able to actually connect. I always feel sorry for my seatmate when I fly to Los Angeles. Los Angeles. It's a three and a half hour flight and I'm going to get their story. I promise you. I have had people. Oh, you're one of those, huh? I'm one of those. I actually had a lady one time years ago asked to be moved. <laughs> asked if there was somebody who would change seats with her. And they, they and so she, was that her first, the, her first uh, jump? Was that the uh, first yeah. time she actually gets a parachute? She's like, I'm out of here. She's I like, I was going to California, okay. but I'll take Indiana. I'm, I'm, I'm going down right here in these fields. I assume she's still okay, but 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 no, I mean, I just it's a way to 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 make you know if somebody actually doesn't want to be bothered, I'm, I'll leave alone. But it's like, tell me about your family life. Tell me where you grew up. You know, tell me about your faith life. Tell me about your story. Then I'll then I'll share a little bit about my story about how I you know how I grew up and it wasn't in a happy home at all. But it's it's led to me getting to this point. Just, there's so many people that grew up in real fucked up situations that. But you don't see it because nobody leads in with that. I'm on Facebook with a lot of my high school friends. And after I wrote the book, they go, man, we never knew any of the stuff was going on at your house. Well, you don't really lean in with, hey, I'm being abused at home, right? It's like a volatile war zone in my house because you want everything to look like it's cool. Everything right. is good. And, it's, and we know better. So I started thinking there's a lot of people that have that, that share that experience. So why don't I try connecting on that level? try to get at their heart and see if I can't do something to bring out the best in them. I'm not trying to fix anybody. I can't do that. They have to do the self-work. But just to encourage them to open up about it. And when you can get someone to open up about intimate details of their life on a three and a half hour flight, there's hope for all of us. Because I've had people tell me stuff that is so personal that, I mean, they've, they've told me, so my own spouse doesn't even know this. And just, just awful stuff that happened to them. And I'm, I'm a perfect stranger. We'll never see each other again. But I feel honored that somebody would trust me that much to absolutely be able to, to share that with me. And, I, and I, I really enjoy that. So, John, here's a question for you. So, you know, we're sitting in a space where you're on this plane and you're trying to essentially match energies in the moment. You know, Chris and I always talk about uh, creating safe space. So you're, you're creating a safe space in your seats. Um, you know, the one thing you just said might be a disadvantage, might be the total advantage, the fact that you're strangers. I mean. You can say anything you want, walk away from the situation and move on. Let's talk about how, you know, because this is a great example. We're talking about a plane, but we can do the same thing at Whole Foods. We can do the same thing to our waiter. Let's talk about how do we match those energies in that moment? What kind of questions do we ask that are soft enough that can lead into the deeper questions? And what does that look like? Because here's the thing. I'm sitting here right now. I'm a very social person, too. And one of the things that I've been working on myself is I don't just want to go out there and try to change everybody or bring them to my perspective or point of view. I want to ask what they're feeling and you're, you're going right to that point. So how do we go from 
zero to 60 with these people and get the most out of these interactions? Sir, operative word you said is feeling. You got the left brain, right brain, okay? Mm -hmm. And depending upon if you're right hand, left handed, one side is feeling, you know, emotion, the other side is, is logic, right? So you try to, to, to and you gotta be sincere. You gotta really want to know. If you if you try to fake it, people are gonna see through it. And, and, and plus you're just spinning your wheels anyway. So, but I think that you, you start off with some stuff, just like, come, where'd you grow up? Where are you from? Simple question, where are you from? It's very innocuous doesn't threaten anybody, where are you from? Uh, from here. And, and then you just said, well, tell me about your family life growing up. What made you decide to go into whatever field you're in? What, you know, and, and like this, this guy yesterday, I said, police work is a calling. What made you decide to go into police work? And and he answered it just like, just like uh, I, I mean, in a way that was just meaningful. But the, but, the, but the thing is that to get into those deeper conversations, sometimes it's just not gonna flow, okay? Sometimes it's just not. And I look at that as that's just where that person is in the moment. And they're not, maybe they've got a kid that's sick. Maybe they've got a, maybe they've had a huge fight with their spouse who's about to walk out on them or something. So you just can't push. You just got to kind of gently nudge, gently nudge. The guy told me something uh, years ago, which, which uh, I hopefully have taken to heart most of the time. He said, John, I'm intense and I'm energetic. He said, John, you just got to spoon feed people. Just give them what they can handle. You're giving them from the fire hose, and it's good. You're not telling anybody anything wrong. But be gentle, okay? And I and I took it to heart, and I and I have tried to do that. And those words come back to me when I am having conversations. So, but I think you just try to get on the feeling side. You know, no, I mean, nobody buys anything because it may make sense to buy this vehicle because it's it's great gas mileage and it's safe and everything else. But you really get get a, a turned on when you get behind a Ferrari or something, right? Right, you know. So that's where the sale comes from: is the emotion. That's where the, the beer. You know, I don't even think they have beer. I don't watch TV, so I can't tell you. But beer commercials, we see all these hot bodies frocking around in Southern California. If you drink beer, you're gonna get fat. Okay. Enough, a lot of it. You're gonna get fat. I I'm drinking a beer right now. I'm 50. I, I don't. I don't look that fat, but I drink two a week, so that might be it. <laughs> well, that might have. That might have something to do with. It I could stand up and show my gut for the last two. Well, like the last two weeks, I've been doing really mm -hmm. good. The two weeks prior to that, I could show you a gut that kind of made Santa Claus go, <laughs> "Really, Chris? There's some competition there with that belly." Uh, hey, John, no, thank you so much for being on the show and just already jumping into the conversation and the deepness of it. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Um, I wanted to tell you this when I was going through and doing some research on you. I love the fact that you have unscripted minutes that you do these. You do these videos where they're unscripted minutes because my show, my show that I do on Tuesday nights is raw and unscripted. So I saw that. and I'm like, oh, look at that. But one thing I want to talk about is you said in your tagline, our lives have purpose and meaning. Tell, And I want you to, to, to tell us about a time when your life didn't have purpose and meaning, maybe going back to those early days and how you went upon the path of, of forgiveness and compassion towards those that have wronged you in your past. Sure. And I'll try to make it a short answer, but I'm not sure I really can. So go back to my childhood. And I wrote about this in the book, you know, killing my father, then finding him. And by the way, to, to the viewers, I didn't kill anybody. Okay. It's like, did you kill your dad and solve a cold case? No, I did not. Killing my father. See, you're not supposed to tell him that because that's everyone's going to read that book. But I have your, I have your book, I have your book on my shelf ready to read. <laughs> well, I love the, I love, actually love the title, but, but, um, uh, killing my father is a metaphor for killing the voices of doubt, insecurity, lack of worth that I got from both my parents. But I use father because I'm a man. I'm going to relate more to the, to the, to the male role, right? 
but um, and then and then finding him is the spiritual piece of the book, and it's not overly religious or theistic. It's just it talks a little bit about faith life and all. So there's a there's a point I describe in that book where I had I finally gave up on having a relationship with my father. I was twelve. When you're twelve, you're thinking. I'm thinking. I remember. I remember this clearly. I remember everything. I was thinking. I can't wait to get the fuck out of this house. I can't do it till I'm eighteen. That's half my life that I've already lived. Six years seems like an eternity. And I came up with this idea at that point, and how I don't know, but a couple of things converged. One is, I said, you know what? I can't change my circumstances, but I can create a vision for my life, and I can use that tunnel vision to get me through this period. Because I, I would get a whipping, and whipping is dumbing it down a little bit, but I would get a whipping for spilling water, having an accident. Everybody has accidents. I'd be told that my feelings don't count, that I, don't, I need to smile all the time and not feel bad or feel... Or even when you're like a teenager and you got raging hormones, right? I mean, give me a break. You know what I mean? So, um, but there was that. And then, but I needed, I needed a male role model. And at that exact time in my life, I discovered the book, my favorite book and movie of all time, To Kill a Mockingbird. Atticus Finch, mm-hmm. now he's a scripted guy, but he was based upon the author of Harper Lee's father. Atticus Finch became, I get chills telling the story, Atticus Finch became my role model, somebody to look up to, to aspire to be like. Now, I fail miserably, but I don't quit trying you know, to do the right thing and to, and to be the right and treat everyone with dignity and respect, everyone equally. So it, those things came to pass. And then what happened was, um, believe me, I hated my life. I hated my existence. I hated my parents. I hated God, and I told him on a regular basis, say, F you, God, if you're so big and mighty, why'd you put me in this family? Why didn't you put me in one down the street? Well, they actually have, you know, they have dinner together, and they laugh and they talk. <laughs> no, I was an angry kid, and you wouldn't know it to see me because I was a pretty popular kid, and I was an athlete. And I, okay, and I, I, did, I did the school plays, and I sang in the choir, which for an athlete really isn't kind of cool. But I didn't care because I liked doing them. So I did them anyway. I didn't, I didn't give a shit. But, but you put this facade on and so you're living a life. It's a coping mechanism is what it is. And it's healthy for that period of time in my life. Fast forward to today. And I say this with, with great humility uh, because I am humble. I, I'm a very fortunate man. I, get, I have the privilege to go in and speak to detention center kids several times a year. And you walk into that room, and there's 100 kids in there. They're all black or Mexican. Every now and then there's a white or two, but primarily 98 out of 100 are black or Mexican. They're 7 to 17 years old. And you look in their eyes, and, man, they're, they're just kids. They've done some really shitty, fucked up things to get in there. They're scared to death, and you see it in their eyes. So I walk in, and, and you know, I, I, I start off with, okay, I have one superpower. Anybody want to guess what it is? Start giving you that look like your dog gives you when he's trying to figure out what you're saying. <laughs> I said, um, I can read your minds. I can read your mind, your mind, your mind, your mind. And now they're really confused. I said, you're looking at me and every one of you, every one of you are thinking, what could I possibly have in common with that older, extremely good looking white man? <laughs> and they laughed. Let me tell you something, if you can get a kid who's scared to death to laugh, their guard comes down just a little. And then I say, look, if you'll allow me the next 30 minutes of your time, I'm going to share with you how we're not as different as we may appear to be from the outside. And I just start telling my story. And it's, it's, 
I'm so fortunate because I'm so fortunate to be able to do this because within three or four minutes, all the skin color difference, the age difference, it all just melts away. And they see me as one of them because most of them come from really messed up families. I mean, they, the girl, the girls that are in there, especially go home typically to single moms has a different boyfriend every month and it endangers the girl's life because they all want to, you know, they go home to a meth lab and the guy gets fucked up and wants to go, you know, have sex with the daughter, right? No, this is not healthy. This is, this is going on in the United States of America. But the truth is, and I'm, this is where the gratitude comes in. If I didn't have that fucked up family background, I'd have no credibility going into that, into that room. None. Because I'd just be some other guy who's up there doing it for himself and not doing it for the kids. And they would, and, and it would be like, you know, you need to go to college, set goals and all this other shit, which means nothing to them. They don't even know what the next hour of their life holds, right? But because I have a shared experience, empathy is shared experience, I am able to speak to them and be and be one of them and be, they be one of me. I, I mean, I, I have kids and I'm grateful. Again, I'm not bragging. I am, I am nothing special, but, but I, um, I had kids write me thank you notes, handwrite me thank you notes. Kids don't do that. I got a bunch of them. The, the principal of the school, you know, he called me. He goes, "Hey, I got fourteen thank you notes. Do you want me to scan them and email them? No, send them to me. I, I want to. I want them. I want to keep them. It's important to me." And so, um, it, it I, again, I, I take that take that and where the compassion comes in and the ability is like, and I don't charge to go do that. I, I, I just I'm privileged to be able to go do it, and I got get more out of it than than they do, or at least as much as they do. And so, and I look at it like this, and. And whether you believe Jesus is who he said he was or not, doesn't matter. You can't ever find fault with anything he said. But when you think about God, God doesn't need our money. He doesn't need our work. He's the only self-sustaining being ever, right? He wants us to show faithfulness by giving money and doing work to help others. But there's something Jesus said. He said, you know, what you do for the least among you, you do for me. So that feeling you get when you do something for someone who can never do anything to repay you, we all know it. We all get it. And yes, and that is that is where that comes, and that's how we're made in the image of God, is because you get that feeling, which is unexplainable. I've done some stuff I did not want to do, man. I was dreading it, and I did it, and I'm like, I feel great. I feel lighter than air, you know. <laughs> so, so I think it comes from from that. I mean, life experiences, everything we everything we do, guys, everything, the good and the bad experiences, prepares us for something else. We just don't know what it is. So John, let's, let's talk about that because so let's talk about the, the transition from here's the thing I'm hearing you loud and clear Chris can resonate you know understands this I understand this we're taking those darkest moments of our lives and we're using them as our resume to share and connect with others like we get that let's talk about the people right now who are listening to this show or who are going to listen to this live or listen to this after as a podcast they're sitting here right now saying yeah, but you have no idea what I'm going through. You know, I'm, I'm being beaten right now. I don't know how to get out of my house right now. Or I just left an ex-husband who's been hurting me and I have no money now. I can't get out of this situation. I'm in full victim mode. Let's talk about the moments from that moment till the moment that you realize the reason this is part of your life is this is a teaching tool and it's part of your purpose. So this is this is a hard part for people to conceptualize. But somebody here right now is in pain. They're struggling. They're saying, why me? You know, just the way you said earlier, you said, why me? I hate you, God, or I hate you, dad, or I hate you. So let's take people from 
understanding that what they're going on right now is temporary. How do they move through it, step out of that victim status and start to realize that there's purpose in everything? Let's talk to them about all of our journeys together. How do we get from that space, recognize, realize and utilize those moments to now live our best self, our best lives and live our purpose? Excellent what, question. What you're talking about is is levels deep, man. It is levels deep, and and I would just say, you know, first off, if, if anybody is being beaten, abused, find the inner strength to get away. Find it. Find the inner strength to get away. I know you're scared. I say this. I know you're scared. I've been. I have been that person. Say victim or say the one who has no control over the situation. Better phrase right control. there. Which is, which exacerbates the fear. There are people, good people, that will help you. Now, when you got someone that's going that is going through that, trust is a big thing too. It's hard to trust anybody because you've had an experience. You know, when when, when you trusted people in the past, it hasn't worked out that well. It hasn't worked out that well. But I but I, you know, I just I try to encourage because you can't. You can't tell anybody what to do. You can, but that's not for us to do. It's for them to figure out on their own when they're ready. But just encourage. Go find your greater purpose, whatever that is. It's not like flipping a light switch, unfortunately. Forgiveness. I was talking with somebody yesterday that was referring to me to talk about how to forgive her parents. And so we spent an hour on the phone and said, you know, we, she's worked at it for years. I said, well, I don't want to say her name, but, but it, it's not like flipping a light switch. You just got to continue to believe it can happen and then keep taking the steps. And I, I start with gratitude. I mean, I'm a gratitude guy. I, I actively practice gratitude. Anything from just having fresh air to breathe, to food in my fridge, to a safe place to live and, and all. It's just, it's, I don't take it for granted. You start with that. Even if you're in a situation where you feel trapped, you feel hopeless, you still have things to be grateful for. And I know people go, yeah, yeah, you don't, you don't know my situation. You're right, I don't. And I, and I have great compassion for someone who is in that situation because no one should be abused. No one should go hungry in the United States. No one should go hungry in the world. Mm -hmm. We have the resources to, to do it, but for some reason, bureaucrat, bureaucracy is getting in the way and it stops it. We have the ability to do these things. But keep searching. There are people that will help you. There are people that will stand by you that are good people you're going to have to take the step out on that limb and trust again because you're not going to do it do it by yourself you're not going to do it by yourself but i know i'm involved with a group here in town that's real under the radar that helps families where things have just fallen through the cracks and they help them monetarily while they're helping themselves help them get into you know, temporary housing help them get food or a gas card or whatever it is but um I've seen this stuff on the front lines and these people are just scared to death. They don't know how they're going to provide. If, if they blew a couple of tires, that can send a family into homelessness. Yep. They live that razor thin oftentimes. It can happen to any of us. It can happen. No, no one sets out in life to be homeless. No one sets out in life to be abused. No one sets out in life like that. The, um, I'm not sure I'm really answering your question. It's just, it's a, that's levels deep, man. But it's like if somebody, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm an encourager. It's my. It's how I'm naturally hardwired. I have no idea why. I mean, I should just be like a, us. Just I should like be us. a raging sociopath because when somebody's told not to feel 
and is uh, you know talked to and acted up acted out with the way I was, they typically turn into sociopaths. Okay, John. Let me, go ahead. I was gonna say, let me guide you because because I, I love what you said so far, and one of the things I was I was trying to push you towards too is, you know. Someone here is sitting here saying, well, I'll just pray to God. Somebody else is saying, I don't believe in God. Somebody else is saying, I'll find the strength within. Somebody else is saying, I'll look for resources. What I would like to challenge people to explore, and I know this is something that, you know, you and I have communicated about before, and, you know, even on the podcast, my Awakening You podcast, I would like to challenge everybody to not be concerned about the definition of whatever you call it, God, universe, creator, or or you know, uh, consciousness within, but I would look deep inside. And I know this is something that, you know, you've done, John, Chris, that you've done, that I've done is start to forget about the semantics. You know, if you want to call it prayer and say, please help me, if you want to call it universal connection, this is what I'd love to start paint a picture and talk about this together is whatever conduit you have, you know, picture a pipe, whatever conduit you have from this, what I see is physical form, Scott, to source. Let's start cleaning that out. And what I mean by that is, you know, what am I consuming? What am I doing? What kind of noise am I allowing in? So whether it's news or or my own mind saying, I'm not good enough, I deserve this. And so once we start cleaning this out, the clarity to source, those answers will show up. You don't need to say, please help me or anything. You just need to clean up that conduit to that source. Let's talk about your journey, Chris's journey, and my journey, compare and contrast those, and figure out maybe we have something that we can share with people who are listening to figure out how do we clean that out? Because I'm in a victim state, and, and here's the reality. And we can call it victim. We can call it those without control. You know, it could be single parent family. We don't have any money. My, my dad was a drug abuser, whatever. And here I am feeling, how am I going to go from here to where I want to go? It doesn't even seem possible. Let's talk about the cleaning that out and how that surrender, that faith, that belief can literally come from the clarity and cleaning that up. Because that's something I think a lot of people miss. And there's a faith or surrender component in there. Let's talk about each of our journeys and see if, you know, we can give some some of our listeners an opportunity to see some of the ways that we've got from A to B. First off, if you if you want it, if you want a different outcome, you got to change what you're doing. That means turn the TV turn the TV off. There's nothing edifying on TV. Seriously, there's no, I gave mine away two years ago. I don't have a TV. Okay, and and I'm not saying that that's what you need to do. I'm just saying that worked for me. I don't watch the news because if something big happens, somebody's going to tell me. You know, somebody's going to let me know. Then I can then I can tune in and make make a decision about what's right for me and and my loved ones. But turn the TV off. Read these stories of people that took, in you know, huge obstacles that were in their past and turned it into um, something that was was that allowed them to work their way out of it. There's a there's a fabulous book by a, guy, a friend of mine. His name is, is Christian Moore. It's called The Resilience Breakthrough. Christian wrote this book years ago, and if you ever get a chance to hear Christian speak, do it. He is hilarious, and he is. We should not know the name Christian Moore because he has he has so many. Um, learning disabilities. He can't tell you what time it is unless it's a digital clock, okay? But he has a licensed clinical social worker, and he's a keynote speaker all over the world. The thing is, it's about taking pain and turning it into fuel for good. And you use that as your as your source to drive you. 
and you've got to find, you got to kind of flip the script as we call it. You flip it over to, I want this more than I want this. This is comfort. You know, a lot of times people that are living in abusive relationships also, all they want is a night of peace. They want peace. They want peace. And if they get a night where the, where the, the husband passed out or he's, or the, or the wife, whoever the abuser is, if they are calm, then that gives them one more day, one more day. But you've got to do something to flip the script. And I say start with reading. Uh, I'm a, again, I'm a huge reader of a variety of different books. But that changes the biochemistry of your brain. Keep a gratitude journal. And you know, what do I have to be grateful for? I'm trapped. Well, you have, you have, are you missing any meals? No. If you're, if you're not hungry, be grateful you have food. Not everybody has food. There's, there's people all over the world who don't know where their next meal is coming from. There's people in Austin, Texas wealthy community who don't know where their next meal is coming from. So if you have that, you're doing okay. If you have a safe roof over your head as far as from fit from the, the uh, elements, you're doing okay. So, so you, let's can, you can change by reading. Look at uh, look at YouTube. Look at people. I mean, like Dr. Dr. Ben Carson's one of my favorite ones. He grew up in horrible poverty, and he said he, he hated poverty. He shouldn't have been the, the, the greatest pediatric neurosurgeon in the world. He should have been a, 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 probably dead by now, but he should, but he should have been on the streets. Uh, he's, he's was, he was the dumbest kid in school to going to one of the smartest kids in school. Mm, and it's a story. Listen, <clears throat> listen to that story, read his books and, and read these kinds of stories. Condoleezza Rice's book, Extraordinary Ordinary People is about her family. She grew up in the most, most segregated city in the country, Birmingham, Alabama. Mm-hmm. And she, her dad was a worker, man. He was a coach, a counselor, a teacher, a pastor, and her mom was a school teacher. And her grandmother was a piano teacher. And, and anyway, it's just, but the st- telling the story of her family, it was just like, this gives me hope. It really does, because they were a nice, close-knit family. And, and, but when you see these things, she didn't have it easy. Anyone who's ever gotten anywhere does not have it easy. It's a, it's a tough fucking road to go down it really is it truly is the road less less traveled but if you want to change you got to do it one step at a time it's not like flipping a light switch unfortunately anybody that's ever done anything meaningful and worthwhile in their life change it has gone through some real hell and got and faced the fear faced the demons that are in there they're always telling you you can't you're not good enough you'll never make it don't listen to it because the truth is, we have two voices talking to us at the same time. I might have said that in the in the in the class I taught for you, Scott, which was a blast, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So much fun, they're fun live. They're fun in person. Yep. They were a blast, man. So so though uh, that was live. That was three years. That's ago. That's what I'm saying. Though that was fun. Like Chris had to do it virtual by Zoom, and it's 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 nice, but it's not the same. And like when you can see their expressions and react, it's a big difference. <laughs> I always wondered about that about that that kid that. Um, always went country dancing. I said, look, this young man said, go ask the most beautiful girl in the bar to dance. He goes, really? What if she turns me down? So what? You know, so what? I started asking the good, good looking girls out. They're Next. afraid they're scared of them. Right. And girls just want somebody to pay a little attention to them and be nice to them and treat them like they have a brain and more than just good looks. Right. So just do that. I've always wondered if he ever did, but, but there's two. He, he might've, he might've. John, John, there was something you just said right now, and that was actually one of the questions that came into my mind when you were talking earlier. So I want to I want to hone in on that and get your get your thoughts on that fear. 
right? So many people, Scott and I teach in, the, in our group coaching program, thanks to Scott, the love and the fear model, right? We teach that there, that you can only look through life through one of the two lenses, like the lens of fear or the lens of love. So many people are looking through that lens of fear. What is fear in your perspective, right? Because I mean, we, we can hear the studies that 98% of all fears never, never materialize, but what is that real fear? What does that mean to you? And how can we help the listeners and the viewers right now, maybe pick apart their fear and make and, and have it seem so um, unrealistic or have it give it less meaning. You know what I mean? Sure. Okay. First of all, there's, there's good fears. Like if you are next to a ledge and you have, you know, if you're afraid of heights, that's probably a good fear to get away from there. Right. But, but fear is a learned behavior. Anything we learn can be unlearned. All right. When you're a child, when you, you watch, you know, yeah, you both have kids. You saw them learn to walk. They fall down, hit their head and it freaks the parents out. But the kid gets right back up and tries again. He or she is not afraid. They want to go try new things. And I love hanging out with toddlers because everything's new to them, right? But it's like, again, it's like you have, so that you have two voices talking to you, competing for your attention all the time. One is fear-based. One is faith-based. One is good. One is urging, you know, encouraging you, prompting you, pushing you, saying you can do it. You know, you can do it. I want to, I'll be right here with you. The other one's saying you can't do that. You're not good enough. You'll never. What makes you think you're good enough to do that? Whatever that is, it could be something like applying for a job. I mean, you know, it's like, you know, I, I send emails out to to all kinds of people, national names, and asking them to be on the podcast. Haven't gotten one back yet, but you know, one of my friends goes, "Why are you doing that?" I, I never do that. I go, well, don't try. You know, they hit somebody sometime. I've called you know those people in their offices on Saturday mornings. Sometimes you get them on the phone because nobody, there's no gatekeeper. So just don't be afraid. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? It's like it's like asking the girl out. What's the worst thing that happens? She says, "No, I'm 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 sorry, I don't want to dance." You're still going to be breathing. You're still going to be alive, right? She wasn't the one. Keep going. All right, keep going. So don't be afraid to try something new or to to venture out into uncharted waters because what what's that thing they say? Uh, the comfort zone is nice, but nothing grows there. It's, you know, we see it all the time. You know, at least once a week, somebody puts it up as a meme. Well, growth comes from the discomfort zone. You got to be uncomfortable. That means you may be a little scared. Those butterflies aren't a bad thing. It just means you're feeling alive. You feel fully alive to press on, press forward, and go accomplish whatever it is. And even if you if you fail the first time, failure is just not doing it the right way. You haven't failed unless you just quit. If you're onto something, keep going. Just keep going, but don't be afraid. Again, just we have to live like toddlers. They're fearless, man. You know, mm -hmm. and they and they. I love hanging. Again, I love hanging out with toddlers because they have no agenda. Adults have agendas for for you know, They want to. They want something typically, right? Toddlers have no agenda. Yes, they ask truckloads of questions, but I'm okay with that. They're just trying to learn because again, everything is new. They see mm -hmm. these light fishes behind me. That's new, you know. It's it, they see a comet going across the sky. That's new. So I, I love that energy, but we need to be, take the childlike attitude into things that we are going to try that that might incite fear because a child doesn't know he, he or she can't do whatever it is. Mm -hmm. They don't so, know. So I, I so I love where you're going with the childlike curiosity because here's the thing: all of us need to return to that childlike curious space and start today as the first day of the story that we're creating the rest of our life. Yet, we have people that we've talked about earlier 
And I want to go back to a point where, you know, you know, Chris had a, had a perfect question right there. But I want to add one thing where I think you had a good point, John, that we can tap into a little bit more. I'm trying to visualize moments in my life where I was in a victim status, you know, in, in a place where I really said, I can't get out of this. And you bring up a great point. All we're doing is when you're drowning, you're not trying to swim to shore. You're trying to just get one breath of air. Mm -hmm. So so that's the thing. Let's let's help people right now. Let's finish the show with this, because I think this is super important. And I can't remember a show where we've really defined it. So let's hone in together and give some good information right here. I'm drowning. OK, everyone keeps telling me all this amazing stuff. If you just do this and do this and read this book and five regrets of the dying and Victor Frankl, blah, 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 blah. It, it's good information, but I'm drowning. I can't even get to the book. So here I am. I'm drowning. What I'm hearing you say, and I think you're correct, and I agree, is all I want is air. But I'm going to go back to lifeguard training for a minute. This is what I remember as a lifeguard. They're not telling me when I'm trying to save somebody who's drowning, the first thing I do is they're going to try to grab me and bring me down with them. So I turn them around, I get them in a position, they're submissive, and I bring them in. Here's what's happening, though. Right this second, I'm literally trying to fight for air instead of figuring out how do I get to the shore. So it's momentary. It's a moment of comfort, get beat and go get drowning. But, you know, so I'm going back and forth. How do I get to the point where I'm confident enough to realize that I can swim to shore? Because going for that quick two moments of comfort is going to constantly just keep me in a state of drowning where eventually I drown, period. I will never, ever live the life of infinite potential that source, creator, universe, God has given to me because I don't believe in myself because of my surroundings and what I've decided to choose to believe. So how do we get the drowning person to understand that you are a child of something much bigger and swim to shore? And let's sit and let's let's finish the show on that, because I, I know that there's people who need to hear that information. I think you hit the nail on the head when you're talking about saving somebody as a lifeguard. So, you know, turn them around, get them into a submissive state. OK, that's when you're open and completely raw and vulnerable. Well, but then you're just trying to get one breath at a time, take one step at a time. Confident, you're not, you're not going to go from zero confidence to 100 percent immediately. It's built over time. It takes time. But first of all, you've got to believe it will happen. Second of all, you've got to keep taking this, just keep taking the steps and believe that, that there is a better day. Even when you can't see, you're in such a storm. It's, I, I wrote a paper years ago and, and, and I gave a talk and I called it Clear as Mud. And it's like that even when, when the future is clear as mud, it's not going to be that way forever. Now is not forever. And I say people, when, when they go, well, what do I do? I can't tell you what to do. And, I, and you said, you know, people go, oh, you need to read this book. And so this guy, like, yeah, people tell me that. And I'm like, look at them. I don't say anything. I'm like, I don't see where it's done a lot of good for you. But, but you know. <laughs> hey, the Victor Frankel book is right behind you, me. You, well, I've read the Frankel book. In fact, I'm rereading it sitting on my dining room table or my coffee table. But, but, but it's like whatever, what, what I may turn on to may not be something that, that you jam on, okay? And that's why it's kind of hard to tell people what to do. But I do encourage and say, think back of times in your life where you saw a, a vision. Everything was clear as mud then. 
It didn't last. You got through it. Hold on to that. Take take your hope in that. But people need hope when they're when they're just facing a, a fucking storm that seems like it's never ending. It could be crushing debt that just seems to get worse and worse. It could be a relationship. You know, I know of a, <clears throat> of a man who walked out on his wife and three daughters and she was 40. She found herself getting divorced and had to learn how to do life again, you know, as a, as a single parent. And she was crushed. In fact, she was actually the uh, inspiration behind the podcast. But uh, <laughs> my, my, my podcast of encouragement and hope. But, but, but it's like you look at that and you go, OK, you got through it. Whether you have a faith life or not doesn't doesn't even enter the picture because people will use something like that and say, well, there is no God, because if, you, if, you, if it was, he wouldn't put me in this position. We didn't put you in a bad position. He allowed it for you to grow somehow. And you, you yes. just got to flip your attitude to that belief because that is the truth. And you'll see it down the road. It could be years down the road. It could be months down the road. It could be days. You don't know when things are going to change. Well, and, and can I add one thing? Because I just was yeah, talking to a coaching client about this. It might not be in this lifetime unless you empower it to be. And, and this is... I'm going to I'm going to challenge people a little bigger than maybe they want to be. But I wish more people did this to me when I was in a place of disempowerment. If and Chris and I talk about this all the time, here's the world. OK, this is a world of lessons. And so here's here's a lesson. You ready? Hi, Scott. Hi, Scott. Signpost. Signpost. I just did a show. Hi, Scott. On <laughs> yeah. And so so here's the deal. You, you have a beautiful point. Why would God, source, universe, creator put me here with all this bull? Why would they really put me in a space that I'm just getting knocked senseless? And why does somebody else has it easier? Because someone else is on day one of the lesson. They're a kindergartner. You're in your MBA program, your PhD program, your senior program. And here's the thing. You have not learned the lesson. So the universe is, is literally going to incrementally, God is going to incrementally, put you in a place to say, I gave you this lesson with an underhanded softball pitch. I threw a gentle change up. You're, you're making me throw fastballs at your head because you're not awake. Mm -hmm. And so, so here's what I would challenge people to do. And let's talk about our situations of how we all do this. I would challenge people to say this. I have control of choice. I have the ability to work through whatever is thrown at me. And I was part of that decision making that brought me as an extension of source, God, creator into this world to learn these lessons. And I can learn them now or later. But here's the reality. I can guarantee if you come around again, the lesson is not going to be easier. So if you've gotten this far, this is what I would say. You're a hard headed mother blank. And, and that's okay. Because, on the show, Scott. Because here's the, simple, here's the simple truth. There's lessons where I'm getting punched in the face right now. And I'm going, how did you not see this? Like, how did this take that long? And, and here's the thing. You see it now. So don't worry about it. So here's my, this is my thought. When you're drowning, you got two arms, you've got two legs, whatever capacity you have to start swimming, start swimming first start breathing, start moving towards shore. I'm not going to say it's going to be easy. I'm not going to say this is going to be no problem. I'm not going to say it's going to be comfortable. I'm not going to say you're going to like any bit of it, but you're going to suddenly realize you're powerful. 
that powerful is going to become exponential and you're going to realize your infinite potential is literally incomprehensible. It's literally, I'm just starting to really tap mine and I'm blown away by the stuff I can do. Blown away. I almost feel like a magician. And, 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 and honestly, no one is any less capable than me. It's just a matter of that I started swimming and said, this isn't as hard as I thought. And so, you know, Chris tells a story about Bill White all the time where, you know, I listen to Chris's voice when he talks about it. You know, you tell the story, Chris, but he, he, he explains that no one believed in him. He was struggling. He's like, I'm not worthy. And this person says, yes, you are. And he's like, huh? <laughs> and I mean, you know, you can re share the story again, but it's a beautiful story that people here need to hear more and more and more and more again. And it's where Chris started believing himself because the, the irony is, Chris started to believe in himself. Bill White showed up to be his accountability partner. He doesn't realize that. He thinks Bill White was the, the champion. Bill, There was a million Bill White sitting there all the time. Chris mm -hmm. woke up and his vibration rose enough to receive a Bill White. Mm -hmm. That's so true. That's so true. Yeah, I mean, the, the crux of it, because I want to get to some, uh, Norman had a couple of questions for you, Scott. Um, yeah, the essential, the essential uh, crux of it was that he looked at this long haired guy who was smoking cigarettes, dating his daughter, living like four guys into a two bedroom apartment, uh, other side of the tracks. I was a seventh grade dropout and everything. And he looked at me one day and he was like, you know, what do you think about going back to school, Christopher? And I'm like, what are you crazy, dude? You know, I'm like 18 years old. I, I, I last grade I went to was seventh grade. You want me to go make up school? Or are you you know, I didn't say that to him. And he's like, well, you can get this thing called a GED. And I'm like, what's the hell is a fucking GED? And he's like, it's a general equivalency diploma and you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and I didn't ask him at that point. I was like, you know what? I want to keep dating his daughter. So, and this guy's really successful. He has furniture you don't sit on in the other room. So he's really successful. He has a car that starts every time. So I think I'm going to take my advice. <laughs> and, and we and all know what you mean by that. That's uh -huh, the funny thing. I'm uh -huh. like, I get it. <laughs> I remember the first car I bought and I was like, that's going to start every time. I feel really good about myself. That's a, that's a huge thing. Up the square WD forty or some gunk in the car, or whatever. This is amazing. And, and he looked at me funny enough. Funny enough. Let me see. He looked at me, and I cre I, cre I found this the other day. He looked at me, and he he told me this. He said, "Christopher, you're only create. You're only limited by the parameters of your own mind." And I wrote this down. I, I mean, I wrote this down years ago. Uh, but yeah, he said, Christopher, you're only limited by the parameters of your own mind. And I took that as a leap of like, okay, this guy is giving me information. And it was upon my choice whether or not I was going to act on that. So I acted on it. And I went and found out what a GED was. I mean, this is back before the internet, ladies and gentlemen. So I had to go through the phone book and figure it out and call schools. And I figured that out. And I went down and I took a test and I thought, sure as shit, I was going to fail the test. They're like, okay, we're going to test and see what you need to learn and da, 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 da. And then we'll do courses. Then you'll learn that stuff. And then you'll take the test again. And if you pass, then you have your GED. And because I was told I was stupid all my life and uh, I was working telemarketing jobs and construction jobs, uh, I thought, oh my God, this is going to be a huge embarrassment. And I got done. And after the test came back, I only needed like two or three classes. And they said, you know, you're actually not that bad off considering. And I'm like, you mean all these other kids that are spending all their life wasting in high school could actually just take this test and like move on with life? <laughs> I'm going to tell my friends about this thing. Um, and then so ultimately from that, going to college and then going and getting my master's degree um, and just having, a, he was just an amazing uh, person. I got the chance to hold his hand as he passed away. But to your point, uh, John, what you said earlier is I have a tattoo on my arm that says, you can't, it's hard to see, but it says, what doesn't kill me only makes me stronger. So to your point, when you look at when we say it all the time, life happening for you, not to you, that when you get through those, those trials and tribulations of your life, when I ask people all the time, I'm like, 
when you look back on your life, was it the good times that you learned the most lessons or was it the tough times that you learned most lessons? And everybody unanimously says this was the tough times. I said, okay, so if the tough times taught you those lessons back there and you are, you're, you're, you're expecting more tough times, right? You don't think that they're all done, right? Right. Just because some people think, oh, I got to this spot and I just thought everything was going to be magical. It's not going to be magical. Trust <laughs> me. No, no, no. You're, you're preparing for the fight. You're preparing for the fight of what is happening next so that you can be able to handle that. You know, as you get older, you know, your parents are going to be dying. Your friends are going to be dying. Your spouse is going to be dying. Your kids, you know, you got to prepare for that mentally, physically, spiritually and uh, emotionally. And so, but so many people are just, they're, they're not even, you're not even thinking about what it is that they're going towards. Um, so, yeah. Um, oh, that's what I wanted to do. Sorry, before I forgot. I, want, I don't care about that. Thought. You had a few Norman, 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 said, Norman brought up, uh, Norman brought up a couple of points. I want to make sure we get to them. Uh, he says, uh, childhood, childhood abuse causes damage. Agreed. Absolutely. Um, it makes a point, Scott, you need to understand childhood abuse causes damage. I think you I understand. understand that. Um, totally yeah. Understand. So I want I wanted to give you an opportunity to speak to that just so to make sure there wasn't any understanding because he says ask any psychologist most people are the way they are due to their childhood trauma and definitely Norman totally agree because we talk about that a lot we talk about that in our coaching program the fact that most of the stuff that fucks us up is happening between zero and five zero and seven years old and that's a lot of what we do is go unpack that and try to give figure out a way to have a different perspective on those emotions and, and have empathy and forgiveness for those people to to let go of that stuff like John said earlier so um, I just wanted to give you a chance to to talk about that a little bit. Never gonna end the show out of everybody's time. Respect. Oh, for me, yeah. I mean, of, of course, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure where I um, explained it incorrectly. Uh, childhood traumas, right? In fact, the, the client I was just talking to, and I'll, you know, I never share names, or whatever. But we were talking about buzzwords that from childhood trauma, from things that occurred that were a word. She heard that word in a different context. Context at 70 years old and goes into a PS, PTSD moment where she's frozen. And the word literally, it, yeah, I, I don't even want to go de deep into it, but I, like when she was explaining to me, we were also talking about, um, it was very interesting, Chris, and I'll share this with you too, is that a lot of kids who are molested as, as kids have a real issue with holding their breath because they've held their breath a lot. So when we're talking about some of the things we do in our meditations with breathing, where there's elongated breath, it's almost holding your breath. She was struggling with that. And I was like, thank you for sharing that because there's so many different things that occur in in our response to how we manage things that are trauma responses. So it's literally a never ending list. It could be a word. It could be breathing. It could be a sight. It could be a smell. It could be a sound. So uh, yes, 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 and yes. And those are things that we can reprogram. We can restart a new story, but those things need to be managed. Those emotions are real. Those feelings are real. Those things are real, period. So yeah, we're 100%. We're on board taking your power back glenda says uh so hey john so it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show we would love to have, have you back and talk more about there's there's so many other questions that i came up with but just to make sure where can people get a hold of you to continue the conversation with you sure they can be scrolling john harrell author.com and there's a contact me there I, I get a lot of emails and i always answer every single email and they, or they can email me directly it's rewritten one r-e-w-r-i-t-t E-N-O-N-E at Gmail, rewritten one at gmail.com. Again, it might take me a couple of weeks, but I will answer. You find me on Facebook, find me on Instagram. Um, find me at uh, seeking-grace.com is my daily inspirational thought. It's usually three to 30 words. And it's just that, just something to start your day with. Or they can turn in, tune into the Determined People podcast, iTunes, iHeart, Amazon, Google, uh, Spotify, you name it. I'm going to leave you with one, one thought, and just one thought that keeps coming back in my head, and that is this. Sure. 
goes back to something you guys were both saying, but it, it is this. We we always want to think we have control. We we can control things. We can control our environment, control our future, and all. There's only one thing we can control, our attitude. If I have a flat tire, I can get pissed off, kick the tire, which is not really in my nature, but I could do that. Is that going to solve anything? No, it's going to waste my time. I might hurt my foot kicking the tire. I'm going to look like an idiot. Just change the damn tire and move on, go forward. Yeah. It's our attitude. Attitude determines everything. If you believe that you can do something, if you believe you can accomplish something, you can. You just got to realize anything that you're going to do, whether it's self-work, which is the hardest work, or if it's trying to accomplish a goal, get a GED. That's funny, by the way. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> whatever it is, is it's, it's, it's doable if you believe it. Your right. attitude has got to be, I believe I can do this. Don't let anybody talk you out of it. Never, I think as Plato said, never make fun of anyone, no matter, making progress, no matter how slow. Encourage. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'll see people out on the, on, the, on the street jogging, and they're 100 pounds overweight, but I'm not going to discourage them or say, why? I'm like, good for you. Go. It's 105 degrees in, you know, heat index in Austin, and they're out there running. Yep. Good for you. Good for you. And I think that's, I think that's great. So encourage everyone that you can. Look for the best. Look for the best in people. Try to bring out the best in people. And let them bring out the best in you. If somebody is in your life that's not edifying to you, move them on. Because it's not going to it's not going to bring out the best in your life. And I'll leave it with that. Attitude is everything. So thank, thanks, guys. I've had a lot of fun. I want to give you one more opportunity to talk about something that I saw that was very important. Talk to us about Rachel's challenge. I didn't want to, I didn't want to let that go because I found that very important. So I wanted to end the show on being able to talk. Very about good. That. Rachel's challenge was started 22 years ago. It's the largest in-school program, which teaches, which focuses on kindness and compassion with students. It allows for greater, better connected schools where you see that, um, it, they tell Rachel's story. Rachel was the first child killed at Columbine High School in 1999. She was a special kid. She reached out to three groups of kids. Kids who were new in school, who probably didn't have any friends, kids who were getting picked on, and special needs kids. And Rachel was a beautiful girl. She could have been homecoming queen. She didn't care about that. She was a really unique kid. So um, her dad, Daryl, and stepmom, Sandy, after her funeral, started hearing these stories about her. And she had left them the six journals um, from from her her writings, and they created an organization out of it. And we, the organization, gets hundreds of emails every year from kids who were lost hope. They were going going to kill themselves many times the very day that Rachel's challenge shows up in their school. Wow. And it's like things don't happen by coincidence. Those those are not coincidental. That's that's purpose. And it just changes. I can't explain it. You can't do, get it from a YouTube. You have to experience her story and it is powerful i love to talk as you as you guys know you know scott you, you know you and i get together and both of us like have two monologues going we're just talking away <laughs> but, but the first time i heard the story was was from daryl the dad and it was like i got just an emotional sucker punch i couldn't talk afterwards i was so overwhelmed in a good way about all the goodness and it's all this goodness in all of us that connects us at the heart level all of a sudden in schools, you see the kid who used to be the biggest bully now becomes the protector. The kid who is the, you know, the high school quarterback and the Pepsi smile and big shoulders and throwing touchdowns on Friday night, all of a sudden creates a relationship, a connection with the five foot tall thespian because they both go home to alcoholic parents. 
and they have that shared experience. But it encourages them, let your guard down. Let people see who you truly are. And when you do that, you can actually create a connection. We see in schools after Rachel's Challenge has been there, and it's not a one and done. They really want the partners with the schools and school districts. But you see the number of referrals go down by 75, 80%. We have data that, that demonstrates this. You see a whole different culture in the school. Rough schools, we've seen kids and gangs drop their colors in the middle of her story saying, we don't want to live this way anymore. Now we are going to stop being gangs. We're going to be, be we're going to represent good. It's, it's mind blowing. We had a kid that was, uh, I'll tell this quickly, but there was a girl that was uh, like a fifth or sixth grader sitting on the second row. The presenter was telling Rachel's story. And she noticed that every time that, that the presenter would say something, this young lady would repeat exactly what she said. And it, she started thinking, maybe this is getting a little distracting for the other kids. And she was about to say something to a counselor, and she looked out of the corner of her eye, and she saw a counselor bawling her eyes out in the back. She said, you know what? It's not really bugging the kids, so I'm just going to keep going. Finish the presentation. Afterwards, she walks up to the uh, counselor and says, what was going on with that girl? She goes, oh, my God, that girl is autistic. She hasn't spoken in five years. No way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get teary out talking about it. It's like, wow. That is powerful. powerful. It is powerful stuff, man. It really is. And so I'm privileged to be on the board of directors. I don't work there, but um, people that work there are some of the coolest, most wonderful, really good-hearted people I've ever been around in my life. And there's 10 full-time employees, and I joke with them, but you guys get more done with 10 people than IBM does with 100,000. In fact, I think the federal government could probably learn a few lessons from you, you know? But they're just great people. The board are a bunch of great people. I've been on boards before, and sometimes there's resume builders. They want a board on their resume or whatever. There's none of that. Everybody is there because they believe in the organization. They believe in Rachel's story. They believe, and they know the good it does. We've all experienced it. So it's um, special. And, I, and, again, I'm privileged to be on the board. I've been on there six years now. And I tell them, I'm going to stay here until you guys run me off. So <laughs> hopefully hopefully they don't. But but it's, 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 it's one of the greatest privileges of my life is to be with those people. Who knows how these things happen? You know, 22 years ago when I was watching news in Columbine and what was, you know, what was going on with kids getting escorted out by SWAT teams, who could have ever said fast forward to 2012, mm-hmm. 2013, when I first got introduced to the organization, I ended up, you know, representing the board of directors for the organization. Like, wow, who knows how that happens, but I'm really glad it did. Mm-hmm. It's those progressive steps, man. It's those progressive steps. It was ready for you. It was waiting for you. John Harrell, thank you so much for being here on the Un- Unfiltered Experience. It's been a pleasure and honor. I'm going to place you backstage and uh, we're, we're going to connect with you before you go. Uh, we'll just go ahead and backstage and uh, thank you so much again for being here. Scott and I are going to close out the show real quick and we'll be talking with you in just a second. So, Wow, Scott, that was uh, that was incredible. We went a little bit over time, but I think the content really warranted uh, the extended conversation and what it is that we are hopefully able to uh, penetrate into the viewers and the listeners' minds. What do you think? hundred percent. And I'm just going to give my final words on what John said about attitude, because it's, it's funny. The universe always takes a certain word or a certain theme or a certain thing that we're supposed to discuss and bring to the forefront and kind of makes that the theme of the week. And I see that all the time. So I was just talking this week with Patricia, Patricia Geigich, which is a, you know, an amazing friend of ours and also uh, somebody who's part of Help Heal Humanity and the things that you're doing. And she said that the Dalai Lama recently said, the big transition from COVID is we're going to see a massive attitude shift in people. 
And that's going to be new choices, new decisions. And then, like I told you, I was watching the same thing. I'm seeing that off autopilot attitude shift. John just bought, you know, brought that word up for the third time. Three's a charm, Trinity, whatever you want to call it. Um, there's something to be said there. So I would like to end this and have you really thinking about that attitude shift, realizing if you can change your attitude and adjust that, the rest is gravy. Because once that attitude shift comes, you'll start to recognize those lessons. You'll learn them. You'll move more quickly. You'll get more out of this existence and you'll live to your fullest and live in your brilliance. So nicely said nicely scared that was that was beautiful i totally totally agree attitude i mean i was funny i had this punk song in my head going your fucking attitude uh, um i know i have the duff mccagan version but uh duff mccagan but anyways i just want to go back through and just uh and say thank you guys glenda mark gasser pamela aubrey um mark again glenda thank you so much for being here nelly was here thank you so much nelly for being That's here uh, you guys are rock stars i love all your comments we're going to go back and comment on those as well apologies for not being able to get them on the screen as much tonight but we had some great conversation going on so just wanted to make uh make sure we acknowledge you guys norman thank you so much for being here i think you're an, a new person to the unfiltered crew so if thank you're you, the family uh go to www.theunfilteredexperience.com and you can join our facebook group get notifications of everything that we got going on because we got more than just the podcast going on um, um, so yeah, yeah. Thank you guys so much for being here, whether you're here live or on the replay and my final words, Scott on this, I mean, yes, definitely attitude. I mean, I think it really starts with something I was talking with somebody earlier today and, and kind of thinking about how I'm, I'm shifting my, my coaching model a little bit. And it's about awareness. It's really about that first indication of the awareness that this is not getting me closer to what I've stated as my goal in life. And that to back up, most people don't have a stated goal in life. So that's one of the things that I really recommend to you guys out there is take an opportunity to see where you want to end up. What is it that your life is going to end like when it's your time to go on your journey, right? Plan backwards from that. Have a why, have a huge enough why you have a big enough how in doing 75 hard and, and seeing these individuals who are, you would not think would do 75 hard. It's amazing how they're finding their why. I'm asking, what's your why? And they're like, you know, I just I can't, I can't do this anymore. You know, you have to get to a point of, of having so much pain that it becomes leverage. Like John said, he talked about taking your pain and, and, and using it as leverage. Absolutely. When you take that and you look through that, that lens of experience of saying, listen, whatever has happened in my life up until this point, there's an opportunity here for me. My, my opportunity now is to shift that perspective and say, listen, you know what? That happened for me. I didn't like it. I didn't appreciate it. It was not easy. However, because in this life, I want to grow and I want to become stronger. I'm looking forward to the challenges that, that offer me the opportunity to become a better and stronger person so I can teach others, especially if you guys have kids out there. I mean, definitely set the example of what it is that you can do. And to the point that, that uh, John made really early on in the, in the situation here talking about, um, you know, if you're in a situation where you're, you're just, you're drastic, you know, you got to get out of that situation. You got to get out of the situation, whether it's the situation in your mind or the situation you're in physically. We love you guys. We appreciate each and every one of you here on the uh, on the Unfiltered Experience. Thank you, Pamela. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're a rock star. Love you. Big hugs. Uh, so we'll be back here next Friday night uh, again with another live episode of the Unfiltered Experience. And meanwhile, if you're not a part of the Unfiltered crew, please go to www.theunfilteredexperience.com and we will see you guys there and have a great Friday night. Have a great weekend. Go out there and make amazing moments. We guys, we love you guys. And uh, We'll see you next week on the Unfiltered.